Hey guys, it's Jamie Scrimger here, second wife, stepmom of three, and mom of one. And you're listening to my podcast, where we talk about all things motherhood, stepmotherhood, and living a kick-ass life. If you're ready for raw and real conversations and are striving to live your very best life, then you are in the right place. Every week, I'll provide you with tips and strategies and mindset shifts to inspire you to live your own version of a kick-ass life. We'll bring you along as I create my own. All right. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to the podcast. So your favorite guest is back. Well, one of your favorite guests, Darren. <laughs> I didn't know I was a favorite guest. Yeah. You're very popular. Husbands oh, listen good. to this with their wives and they're grateful that you provide. They like to hear what you have to say because they think My that, perspective. Yeah. My views. Because I think stepmoms do a lot of talking and a lot of complaining and a lot of um, venting and all the things that we need to do. And it's very therapeutic for us to do, but I think sometimes we forget that there's two sides to every coin. Well, yeah, but (laughs) yeah, I guess that's true. All right. So we are here. It is the day that this podcast is coming out is our seventh anniversary. Happy anniversary. almost. Happy anniversary. I think that's so crazy. We've been together for seven years. Been married for seven years. No, been yes, together longer. Been married for seven years. Together over eight. Together over eight. Yeah. So, um, do you feel like it's gone fast or slow? Some days are really you, slow. I think you coined it the best, and I forget <laughs> what you said, but I, I at times, you know, yeah, it doesn't seem like it's going fast, and then all of a sudden, you just said we've been together, or I said we've been together over eight years, and it's like, wow, it's been eight years already. Yeah. Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah. It's been all fun. (laughs) No, I'm just joking. No. Do you feel like we are, I personally think that marriage, when you're in a second marriage, well, you're like in a blended family, it gets easier as time goes on. Like I think our marriage is better than ever right now. Yeah. I think we're as good as we've been. Like every year gets better. I'm not like, I sometimes, I think I wrote that on a quote on Instagram once I was like, it keeps getting better with you, but it, it really does. But it was really hard at the beginning. Like, I don't look back on those early years and be like, yeah, that was so blissful. It was kind of like a whirlwind. Yeah, big time. So um, not that it wasn't all bad. No, it was It was great. I mean, we did it because it was wonderful. And we, but it, yeah, there were a lot more issues and we've grown and we know how to handle a lot of things that we maybe didn't when we first jumped into this. Mm-hmm. And now we ever have, have new things. So it's just a constantly learning <laughs> progress or process. All right. So what we wanted to do for this episode is we've been talking a lot about the things that we would have done differently if we could go back and do those first years of our marriage again. And, uh, you know, it's one of those situations where you don't know what you don't know. So, you, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. But if I could go back or if I could give someone else in our situation, any advice, this, these are the things that we would tell them, right? That's kind of what we're going to dive into today. Yep. Are you excited? I'm very excited. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, well, actually let's start with you then. What's one thing you would have done differently at the very beginning? I think the main thing that I would have done at the beginning is prep you more. I mean, it's hard when you're in that honeymoon stage and it's romantic and we're just dating and we're having a blast and you know I'm still doing my fatherly duties and you you weren't involved for the you know first little while you didn't even meet the kids so I was kind of you know dad one weekend and and with you the next weekend and I don't think I prepared you for 
when you would meet the kids that our lives would change. Like how busy it was. Yeah. And, and not necessarily for, a, for, a, for worse. It was just, I didn't prepare you for the busyness. And again, I think you and I touched on it earlier that our timing, you know, we start dating in the winter and you didn't meet the kids till close to the summer. And once you met the kids, um, you were just kind of getting to know them. And then by fall, you know, we had school and work and extracurricular activities. And I don't think I prepped you for how intense our schedule could be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sidebar, before we get into this, we did do an episode. I think it's episode one or two of this podcast sharing what the first year of our marriage was, was like. So if you're just starting to tune in now, I recommend going back and listening to that episode. Cause we did really talk about what that first year of our marriage was like and, and what we struggled with and what was hard. But yeah, I really had no idea how busy or just what life was like with kids because I didn't really babysit. I didn't really, we didn't do a lot of extracurriculars. It wasn't as intense when I was young and yeah, I had no freaking idea. Yeah. I think that's this generation, uh, you know, I can remember growing up, I did do extracurriculars, but you know, it isn't like, you had a sport every season, you know, I played hockey and then you hung out with your friends in the summer. Maybe I played a bit of ball, but it, it wasn't as intense, I think, as it's been with our generation. And yeah, I think that one of the things I should have done is said, you know, do you realize what life is like for somebody like yourself that hadn't had children and hadn't had experience with the day-to-day schooling and, yeah, you know, just getting young kids dressed to go to school really throws your morning when you were used to getting up and relaxing and having a coffee and mm-hmm. it changes. It's a big, it's a big change. And I yeah, think I, I, remember. I, think I, sh- <laughs> I should have said, you know, this is all hearts and sparkles, but there's also the hard work aspect, but you, you dealt with it. It's just, I think it took a big adjustment and I, I don't think you were prepared for such an adjustment. And again, going yeah. back to some of our older conversations that it was like moving to a different country. Yeah. And I think at that point I was, because there were a lot of people who did say that kind of stuff to me, they were like, you need to know this is what kids are like. It's super busy. What are you going to do with this? Are you prepared for this? And I was trying so hard at that point in time to pretend like I had it all together and everything was so perfect and I wasn't really prepared. And so I was just kind of trying to just keep doing it and keep pretending like I was fine. When I think inside, I was like, holy shit, I'm tired. (laughs) Like there's a lot of stuff on the calendar. Like, you know, for us, a weekend that's not really busy and we don't really have anything going on could still involve for hockey practices and games. Like that's, that's a quiet weekend. Yeah. And and I think that was what you weren't prepared for, but you did well. And I think you also embraced it and took it on. And, and I think that, you know, help, helped our, our family for sure. Cause you were so involved and helpful, but at the same time, not every stepmom is expected to do that. And I appreciate obviously that you did do that, but I maybe should have said, you know, let me take on the onus of this till you get adjusted. But we weren't really thinking that way. We were just kind of boom, we're in this. Yeah. And you know what, that goes into or leads into one of the things that I wish I would have done differently. Like I went all in at the very beginning. Like, I think I felt like this pressure to be this super involved all in stepmom. So I was doing all the things that probably a mom would do in the home. 
immediately. Mm -hmm. And I put a lot of pressure on myself to just do it when really, in fact, it was your responsibility. It wasn't, and I'm not saying you put it on me. It was me wanting to do this and wanting to be this family and wanting to do all the things. And I think I did it and I was all in. And then I ended up getting to a point where I, the busy got to me and I almost started to resent the extra stressors because I had, I was just so tired. I just felt really, really burnt out and drained. And I think it's because I didn't slowly go into the parenting role. Yeah. And I also think that we were at a point where the kids were young. So they needed, when they were with me, they, they, they were young. They needed that um, person in their, their life uh, because I, uh, I'm the dad, I'm not the mom and mm-hmm. moms do different things. And, you know, I, you know, we had joint custody of the kids. So I ended up needing somebody that did that and you did it and the kids were young and, you know, unfortunately they were so young, they probably don't realize how much you did do, but it was wonderful what you, what you did, but you took on a lot. And I think that's something I would have said to, you know, let me, but at the same time, I was under a tremendous amount of pressure, you know, to continue to work and be all these things at the same, same time. Um, Yeah. I think, yeah, I think we just kind of managed with all the responsibilities that we had to do or we had, yeah, it was just kind of, you do what you got to do in the moment. It's easy to look back and say, I shouldn't have gone all in, but I do think I got to the point where, do you remember that? I, I think we've talked about it before, but that conversation we had, we were standing in the kitchen and I was like, I gave everything up for you people. Like I don't do anything I used to love anymore. I don't do yoga. I don't go to um, the coffee shop. I don't go read. I just am all doing all of these things. And I was feeling super resentful. And you just looked at me and you said, Jamie, no one asked you to stop doing all those things. And I really did. Like I was so on with this new family that I just feel like I lost myself and all the things that I, like, I wasn't doing anything for me. I was just like commuting an hour and a half to work both ways. And then coming home and like making sure everything was done perfectly. And it, I just felt like I lost myself at that very, in the very beginning. And I would have, that's my advice. Like don't stop doing the things that you love because then you end up feeling resentful. Yeah. And I think, and the nice thing is you fully come around, you do yoga, you, you know, you go to the coffee shop every, you know, once in a while just to do things on your own. You, or you're doing all the things that you used to, that you used to love to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that just took, yeah, stepping back a little bit or, could be the kids are older, maybe not as needy as they once were. Yeah. It made me realize just how important self-care is and how important it is to just take care of yourself. But that's a good tip as, as well that, that. Yeah. A really you, good you, tip. You, you should continue on with a lot of the same things. I never asked you to change and you never asked me to change, which has always been wonderful about our relationship. You've never said, Darren, I don't want you to do this or I don't want you to do that. Um, but sometimes we do make sacrifices just to. But Survive you, you, in the you, moment. You, you probably should keep your the things you love close to you. Yeah. And and I think the other thing is, is I would say, well, I can't do this this weekend because we have the kids. Like whenever we had the kids, it was like my time with the kids too. When really I could have gone out and done other things too, right? Like giving you that one-on-one time and not needing to have my finger and be there for everything. I think I could have taken a little bit more space for myself. But then again, I was just so like in love with you and in love with our life and trying to like build this family that I didn't, I couldn't see the bigger picture in that. And mean like, which means if I wasn't there for the weekend, that still means I'm part of the family, right? Like you're just really trying to be involved. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think we've got that balance now. Yeah. That, seven years. <laughs> yeah. Seven All years. right. What's another thing you would do differently? Finances. 
when we first got together, you didn't realize the burden of somebody who's gone through a separation or divorce. And not that I hid anything from you, but it's just there is the financial side of a separation and you and I were moving on with life and there's was stress for me because of, you know, having to, to pay. And it wasn't something I think that's one of the flawed things about the system. And again, I could go through the system of separations. You can't just sort of finalize or put together long-term deals so that everybody can work with that. It, it gets reviewed well, every you can year. If well, you can, I guess you can if they're, if they're willing to do it. Unfortunately, you have to have two parties that are willing to do it. And I think that would be a better system because it would help two people, two exes get along better when, you know, I know what I have to pay. And unfortunately it was being looked at all the time. And I didn't really let you know that, that this could go on for the next 10 years that we're going to have to deal with this every year or two or every three years or whatever we have to. And I think I should have been upfront that, you know, when I didn't want to make a commitment to something, it might be because I don't know what's coming at me, Yeah, you know, each year when you have to show income. And it's, that's, I think, again, it would be nice to have long-term deals because I think everyone would get along fine and, you know, better. I just think that I wasn't, um, as transparent with how that worked and what was going on behind the scenes when you and I first got together. Well, I think there's a lot of things that were happening behind the scenes that you didn't really want me to know about. And you wanted me to, you, you kind of shielded me from that. Is that the right word? Like I didn't know, I didn't know how complicated things were behind the scenes. And then I remember kind of finding out later on, like after we get married and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like this is, there's a, this is stressful. Yeah. This is really stressful. Well, yeah, we end up being a team with with finances when we're first together. Obviously, you're 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 just getting together, so you're not. But then you find out, yeah, what I have to go through as far as that the involvement in that, and it's not that I should have come out and said this is what it's going to be because you you don't know it's an ongoing thing. Again, it doesn't have to be, but it, in, in my case, but I'm not seems talking about just finances. I'm just talking about even like just any type of co-parenting issues or conflict and things like that still needed to be settled. Like I didn't know. And I wasn't kind of privy to all of that, which is fine because it wasn't my situation to know about. But then when you, it's, you know, it's funny, like you marry into someone else's issues issues. (laughs) and I didn't fully know the issues. And then we got married and I felt like then all of a sudden I realized like what, I think I became more involved in the communication and I realized like what was actually going on. And that's, I think when my anxiety just went like, I wasn't sleeping at night. My hands were shaking. Like I couldn't stop thinking about all the things. Like remember when I would just like Google how to try to like solve all the problems all the time. (laughs) And it was like consuming me. But then again, I feel like you're not going to start dating someone and be like, oh yeah, by the way, welcome to the shit show. <laughs> like you're not going to say that, right? Like, yeah, here's something you something might want to be aware of and tell you on the second date. Yeah. No, you don't put it on your online happen. dating profile, which isn't how we met, but <laughs> I'm just saying like, that's not something that you fully disclose at the beginning, which I, but I do feel like. And when you're hopeful, like I was, I was optimistic that I was going to have this great separation and divorce and we're amicable. Oh my God, you kept saying the word amicable over and over and over again. I used to say we're very, very amicable. And then, you know, it really comes down to when people move on with their lives, it's, it's, it's a business transaction or it's dealing with the kids and it's, there's, it's hard to be amicable sometimes. Um, 
But even when you're amicable, very, it's complicated. It's yeah, it's complicated. It's stressful. Yeah, and I and I think that is something for a long time. I didn't want you to know that I had these little Shit things shows. going on in the background with with um, my my ex wife. So yeah, I shielded you, and maybe I should have let you know earlier than I did. Maybe I probably not, would not, have ran. not right away. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know what? I can't but, say I would still be here if I, no, I'm just joking. I would totally be here, but oh God. Okay. Um, speaking of that, I think something that I would have done is I would have, I would have started working with stepmom coach or gone to therapy and really like dove into all the support I could at the very beginning. Cause I waited until I was crying on the bathroom floor to like look for the support and I wish I would have really educated myself at the beginning about what but the dynamics of step family life, because I think we, and especially me, I came in, and this is something I'm still dealing with, with this idea that our family would function the same way as a first family. And it does not, it does not, right? Like you, there is another player. There is another, you, you aren't the mom. You're maybe the motherly figure in the home, but there's so many other contributing factors. And I think it's, you really need to understand how, a blended family or a step family functions different than a first family. And if I would have been able to learn more about that at the very beginning, I think it would have saved me a lot of, um, anxiety, anxiety, sleepless nights. It would have prevented us from having a lot of arguments. Yeah, no, I, I, some money on wine. (laughs) I agree. I agree with you. I think there are different dynamics in the house than, again, a first family Mm -hmm. and you need to prepare yourself that it's not going to be that dynamic. It's not going to be, you know, that family where everything runs tickety boo and and you have ultimate control because they're your children. There's, there's another person involved that we always have to be cognizant of. Yeah. And I think knowing that at the very beginning is something really important for stepmoms to understand because you have this pressure to show that you're an awesome stepmom and being the awesome stepmom often looks like trying to be the mom figure not ever overstepping and trying to take over the mom but you are the mom in that house and i think sometimes when you're trying to achieve that first family vibe that's when just like the definitions of what you're adding to this family get a little blurry and it gets a little confusing. And then that's when you end up feeling disappointed. Yeah. So therapy, I would, I would have been, and you know what? I went to therapy right before we got married. And because I, I didn't realize how much my parents' divorce had impacted me and my views on relationships and my problem solving uh, skills and communication or lack thereof. So going to therapy was really, really helpful for me. I wish I would have continued on and, and to navigate through blended family stuff because that that would have really helped, I feel like. Yeah. Well, you didn't have anyone like yourself now that can go back and look. You know, you have um, these conversations with other stepmoms and yeah. you're, it's very therapeutic for them because they have somebody who's been through a lot of the different scenarios, made the mistakes, has learned from uh, the beginning to, you know, I guess young young kids to teenagers, yeah, to potentially going off to to have their own lives at some point here in the next couple of years. Yeah, I think I was working with this business coach, and she's like, "Can you tell me who your ideal follower is? Like, who are you speaking to?" I'm like, "Me. I'm speaking to me eight years ago. Like, this, <laughs> I'm literally trying to create all the things that I really, really needed back then. So, yeah, that would be one of the things that I would go back and do differently. What? Do you have anything else? We have a little list here. 
What would you have done differently? I think one of the things that I should have done is either taken a, a more disciplined approach that you are going to work and co-parent with my ex or I was just going to handle everything because I think some of our issues over the years, you'll handle some stuff, then I'll handle stuff, then you'll handle and And maybe it's something that transitions naturally over time, but I think that we got ourselves into some arguments because I was wishy-washy and wasn't as disciplined with my ex. I should have said, this is how it's going to be. You and I should have maybe had a conversation. This is how we're going to react. This is what we're willing to do. We're going to make these decisions together. And I think a lot of times I just flew by the seat of my pants. Do you understand that at all? Oh yeah, I understand. I've been here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> no, I do. Yeah, and I do. But it's think- hard at the beginning because I was new to this too. So I didn't realize, I was just always trying to not poke the bear. I think we've talked that or uh, not. Minimize conflict. Minimize conflict, you know, let things blow over, you know. But by doing that, I think it enabled things. problems. Like I do exactly. think. Exactly. Try to negotiate things. And I should have just taken this as how we're going to deal with the situations and been more disciplined on it. Yeah. But I do think you had good intentions there. And I think that everyone just is trying the best they can. It's like, but I do say to you, there are times I'm like, if you would have just listened to me from the very beginning, this would not have happened. It's true. There are times where yeah, it's like, yeah. I don't speak for the sake of speaking. Like I actually have something to say over here. Can you please listen to me? Um, but we have, like, we've talked about this before. Like you think I'm a bit of a bulldog, um, just like shut things down right away. And that's how my dad was growing up. Um, and you are more hopeful that things can just, well, you like to put your head in the sand. I would say I put my head in the sand. I just, I'm more hopeful that, and I should learn, you know, once you bang your head against the wall a few times. Insanity is doing the same not, thing over not, and over again. It's not going to work, but I always am hopeful that, you know, we can come to a resolution without having to, you know, throw up our dukes, so to speak, and, and, and start arguing. Yeah. Yeah. And I always try that approach. And like you said, maybe I should say, nope, this is it. And this is how we're dealing with it. And this is what's going on. And, and I haven't, but again, it's, it's a fluid situation. Yeah. You, you don't just know. don't know. I don't even know what we're saying. It's like, <laughs> there's so many things we could have done that could have, should have, would have, right? You know what? There's one thing, and I didn't tell you I was going to bring this up. If I were to go back, I would have started to try for another baby right after Reese was born. That is something. So for those of you who aren't familiar, we tried to have a second baby after having our daughter Reese and we dealt with secondary infertility, lots of failed fertility treatments. And we've just kind of come to the point where we're like, you know what? We wanted that then, but the point we're at now in our life, it just doesn't fit. So I wish I was thinking, I was so overwhelmed having Reese and then having the kids and all like there was, I went from like zero to four kids in a very, very short period of time that I was like, well, we need to wait, wait till things settle down, wait till I'm, you know, it's a better time for us to have another baby. And I feel like if I would have started trying earlier, then we would have maybe done fertility treatment earlier. And I just think the clock was ticking on us. Yeah. So, and again, we didn't know. We we thought we had all the time in the world because we had no issues the first time. Yeah. And we just, yeah, we didn't know that that's what. That's one of my regrets. But I think that. That's just something for stepmoms. I know there's a lot of stepmoms who are like, well, I really, we really want to have a baby, but things are so crazy with my stepkids right now. Or we really want to do this, but we're going to wait till things settle down with the ex. Don't wait 
right? There's never a perfect time to have a baby. If you want to have a baby, have a baby. If you want to get married, get married, like stop waiting for things to settle down with outside factors because there is never a perfect time. And if for some reason time runs out or things don't work out because you waited, you're going to end up feeling a little more resentful to those extra stressors. And it's, it's hard to get over. Yeah. And I actually totally agree with that. I would say the same thing. If you want to do things, we used to, you know, and I'm just talking maybe financial things that we put on hold because we were so concerned about what the other party would think. And you can't control that. I think just move on with your life the way you would, even with that external concern. Yeah. Don't give other people permission to have a say on what you do or how you do it. Yeah. Which I think for the most part, we've been pretty good at. We have. Yeah. I wouldn't say we've done too much, but there are times when we take that into consideration. And I don't even know why we are sometimes like what what their reaction is going to be. It's really none of their business anymore. No. Um, Okay. So last thing that I would say, and it just pops in my mind, we made a commitment, I think a couple years ago that we were never going to fight over issues with your co-parenting relationship. Like there were times where we were on such different pages about how to respond to things or what was said, or something would go down and then we would both be on edge. And then we would end up getting in an argument that night. And it was like, why are we fighting? Like, this isn't from us. And we made a decision. We were like, we are never, ever going to let an outside party come in between us. And like, do you remember that conversation yeah. in the kitchen? Oh, yeah. yeah. And ever since we made that commitment and like came out and said it, We've never, ever fought about it. No, no. Like we we hear each other out. We listen to, like, you have to listen and understand the other person's point of view instead of just assuming that your point of view is the right way when it comes to how to respond. And simply making that commitment was so, and we will have to remind each other of that commitment here and there, but that was so beneficial for us because it, it really, really changed how we approach any and all conflict. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and I think we're getting to a point too now where, you know, we minimize any correspondence, you know, outside of what's necessary, what's necessary and what we're doing. You know, we used to try to be proactive and help out. And, you know, if, if you don't have that relationship, you're never going to have it. And I've learned that, you know? Yeah. You, I, and I think that's a really good point. Like Everyone has to do what feels best for them. But if you are in a relationship that ebbs and flows, like a co-parenting relationship, like sometimes it's really, really good. And other times it's not so great. And you really never know what to expect. And this is not just me talking about my situation. This is me talking about all the situations, like so many situations that I've worked with. Just set those boundaries and you be consistent. Just because someone else isn't consistent doesn't mean that you can't be, right? So you set your boundaries, decide what you will and will not communicate about, Um, And just get very clear on how you're going to do things in your family. And the rest will just work itself out. Like as long as you're clear, then it doesn't really matter. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. All right. So I said on Instagram that we're going to be doing this uh, podcast episode and asked if anyone had any questions. So you good to answer a couple questions? Sure. (laughs) Fire away. Me or you? Both of us (laughs) together. Okay. All right. So the first question is, would love to know how you decide on whether or not your opinion is needed. My opinion is always needed. My boyfriend will sometimes talk out loud to inform me of a situation, but isn't always seeking my advice. And I have a hard time knowing when and when not to weigh in. I never want to put more stress or pressure on him than he already has. So that's partially to you, I think too, isn't it? Me? Well, she wants to know when you know when to weigh in. Oh, but I think she wants your input too. I think you, you know, we won't always ask directly for your opinion, but I, I think it's, 
okay to sort of say, would you like to hear my opinion or start a little bit? And if you get a reaction that is negative, then back off. Cause there are times when I need to think out loud and then, you know, your opinion might cause a conflict or uh, I'm just not in the mood to hear it. Yeah. You just want to talk. I just want to talk it through and give you my opinion. And so I would say just take cues from your boyfriend and, if he sort of looks at you and gives you that, like, what do you think? Or you have an opportunity to ask, you know, would you like to hear my opinion? And he might say, no, I've already figured out what I'm going to do. I would go from there like yeah. that. Just ask, right? Like we can't assume that that's a big thing in our relationship as we learn, just ask or tell each other what you need and just be open. Like you can't assume that anyone else knows what you want or need in a situation because we're not mind readers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Next question. What was it like dating early on and balancing out time together when he had the kids? You struggled with this because you felt like you were living two different lives. Yeah. I found that difficult at the beginning because I was dad one week and we didn't really see each other much. We'd talk on the phone. I can remember at night, we'd just call each other. And then the next week we would see each other a ton. So it was really like living two lives. And, uh, I think that's why at one point I was anxious for you to meet the kids because I just felt on weekends and things like that, I could have the people I cared the most about together. And it was my idea earlier than yours to why don't you meet the kids? And that was just because I was feeling this tug of war and not really, you didn't put pressure. You knew I had to be with the kids and that's what my, my life was. And, you know, even the weeks we were together, if I could take the kids on an afternoon for something, I'd say, Hey, are we doing anything? And if we weren't, I, you know, I definitely want to see if I could get the kids. Mm -hmm. It was hard to balance, I think, but I think, you know, the one thing that I think is really important. I keep saying, I think, um, the one thing I think is really important is that you still make your relationship a priority at the very beginning. And I know that there's a lot of stepmoms who feel like whenever the partner has their boyfriend or their husband has the kids, it's like, they don't matter. And you have to try to find that balance and try to still meet each other's needs when you have the kids. Cause it shouldn't be separate. Right. So if you guys are planning on doing life together, you need to find a way to blend that all together. And, you know, obviously we're talking about blended families, but he needs to find a way to make you a priority or make you feel like a priority during his time with the kids too, whether that means including you or when they go to bed, you guys watch a movie together. Like I do think it's important, especially at the very beginning to try and find that balance. Yeah. I think when it's new to the kids, if their parents have separated and it's fairly new, you're obviously going to keep your kids very close because you're concerned about this new adjustment to them. So I was always really aware of that. And, and, and when I had the kids, I, I wanted to have the kids, but I wasn't afraid if the kids came on a Monday and you and I had some special occasion going on Friday to get a babysitter. I mm -hmm. mean, in, in the long term, the kids are not going to remember dad went out from, you know, eight o'clock till one o'clock or whenever we would go out if it was a special occasion. So you still want to make the relationship a priority, but again, you can, you know, don't feel bad. I mean, obviously I wouldn't have every night gone out and gotten a babysitter when I had the kids because I wanted to keep them close and I wanted my time with the kids. I, I mm -hmm. love them dearly. And, and, um, so I think you can balance, but it's never, it's never easy. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Next question. I know men and women see things differently as you have pointed out, Jamie. 
as I have. So how do you get your husband to see eye to eye on things that he might consider trivial? As a second wife, we come across his ex's stuff in the house and find it distressing, getting mail in her name, old accounts that he forgot to take her off of. Often men thinks it's no big deal, but to women, it's huge. How do you prevent baggage from the first marriage from affecting the second one? Oh, Guys, I moved into this house. There was a wedding dress in a closet. There was makeup left over in a drawer. Like the things I have found, I found the speech from their wedding talking about how great of a couple they were. Like, man, honestly, I have found everything that every (laughs) nightmare that you could potentially find, I have found. And there are things that you're like, you know, when mail will come, mail will still come. Here, seven years later, because there's some mailing list and it's like, oh, that's weird. I know that there were things that I wanted you to change. I think, remember the hydro, was it the hydro bill or the foam bill that you guys were both on? Still in both our names. And every month when it would come, I'd be like, okay, we're going to need to change this bill, right? Like, can we please do it? And I believe I had to nag you for several months to finally do it. But it wasn't because you were like, it doesn't matter. She shouldn't be upset. You just had a thousand other things on your plate. So I think it's important for us to remember, we just have different priorities. So even though you think it's a huge deal and it really is a trigger for you, for him, it's not intentional. I always like to go back to intent. Like, is he intentionally trying to bother you by not changing it? Or did he just forget, right? Yeah. And maybe that's where I can step in here and say something that I wasn't, you know what I should have done. I mean, when we split, she took the stuff she wanted and we had the day that all that was done. And then I just kind of went on with my life. And I think one of the things you should do is take inventory and get rid of all the stuff from the previous relationship. Again, I, it just wasn't on my mind. I was busy, young kids, But I do think, you know, I I remember one day when you said, you know, why am I still finding this stuff? And I'm, you know, yeah, I get that. I mean, I, I suppose I had moved into your apartment. I I wouldn't have wanted to see, you know, old pictures of your boyfriend and, you know, I, I get that. So I think actually it's something you should take a day and go through. And even if you want to just put it somewhere because there are probably pictures and things that the kids might want someday. Just put them in a box, put them in a storage facility or down in the basement or somewhere and just get them out of, out of sight. I, and I, and I should have done that, but I mean, I, I just didn't get around to it at the time. Yeah. Well, the first, my first birthday living in this house, I asked for a dump trailer. Remember when I asked yeah. for the dumpster and I just kept chucking stuff in the dumpster? Um, yeah. You know, and I will say things like that though, as time goes on, it won't bother you as much. I remember, you know, There were things that really, really bothered me and I would sit there and cry. And then, you know, even the other day, I'm cleaning out the desk, the desk that I work in every single day, the desk that I have worked in for years now, and I've cleaned out numerous times and I find a big chunk of old mail and I'm like, how is this still here? Right. It was just, but it didn't bother me this time. So I think as you, as time goes on and you create your own memories and create your own place and you stop feeling like the outsider because you do feel like an outsider and that really just does take time. It doesn't bother you as much. So to answer your question, when I was saying like, how do you get your partner to understand issues that aren't a big deal to him, but are to you? I love to say, I don't need you to agree with how I'm feeling right now. I just need you to respect that this is how I'm experiencing things. Or you could go, you'd be like, you know what, honey, you may think that I'm psycho or crazy for thinking this, but I'm like super upset about this right now. Can we, you know, talk about this? Um, So sometimes it's about how you approach those conversations. 
All right. Next question. How did you handle being a stepmom without a biological children of your own before you got pregnant? Is there, this is something that I'm dealing with and it has good days and bad days. Well, all parenting has good days and bad days. I can promise you that like it's the ups and downs, but I think we kind of touched on that at the beginning. It's like, I wish I would have done some research on what kids were all about because if you are struggling and you are easily irritated or you feel like you don't have any time on your own and just feel overwhelmed by a lot of kids, be kind to yourself. Like this is a huge transition. Like you, you didn't kind of ease into this. Like most parents do, you were just kind of thrown into the trenches. So I think you just have to be kind. Yeah. Nothing else. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> All right. So next question, I'm wondering how Darren developed empathy for you as a stepmom and a second wife. I know it can be hard for men to relate to. For example, letting you renovate the kitchen was probably key to making it your own. I don't even feel like it was a letting. I think at that point it was like <laughs> we were doing the kitchen. Yeah, I think right away I was pretty good with that. I remember we set up a space for you in your office. And and I guess it's hard to change things. I'm I'm not real good sometimes with change just around the house in general. You know, I like the way things have been and, and you wanted to change things up. So you know, naturally we have disagreements over what we're going to change, but well, now we don't, I don't ask anymore. Yeah. I think now we've, <laughs> we've been together so long. You just do what you want. I think I made you comfortable at the beginning. And I think that's the key thing is to make you comfortable because our other option would have been to sell the home I had been in and, and buy something that was ours. And I didn't really want to do that because I didn't want the kids to have to move schools and that, 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 that we liked the property and the house. But I think I was very aware that I had to let you put your touch on it and you've done that. Yeah. And I think it's even when it comes to things, not even just the house, just things you're struggling with and empathizing with the stepmom. I think that partners should just do a little research, read a little. If, and if you're reading a stepmom blog that really, really hits home, it's like, oh my gosh, that's exactly how I'm feeling right now. Send it to your partner, send it to him and say, Hey, honestly, this could not sum it up more. And the one thing I think partners need to understand, and you know, we've had conversations lately where I'm like, I do not like this phase of step parenting right now. And that's not me saying, I don't want to be with you. That's not me saying, I don't want to be with Darren. That's not me saying, I don't like my life. It's me just talking about how I'm feeling in the moment. And I think a lot of times husbands or partners will feel like they take it personally and they take it, think it's a stab against their kids or a stab against their life. And it's not, you're just trying to talk to them about how you're feeling. So if that would be my advice to partners and say, like, just hear them out. And it doesn't mean they don't want to be with you. It just means that you're their person and they want to talk about how they're feeling with you so that you can make a plan together for how to move forward. It's not an attack. Yeah. And I think also some of the stuff that you have through your blog or various things through your platform resonate with people. Cause I had somebody come to me and ask me a lot of questions cause they were dealing with a potential uh, stepfather and they were having some issues. And I said, I know this is kind of the flip side. This is a, it's a stepmom blog, but I said, have him read a couple of the things Jamie wrote. And I kind of mentioned what they were about. And it, she said that it, it was a big change mm -hmm. having that written down and being able to read that. And, you know, everybody deals with that. Um, so I, I think it's, it's good to go back and reread or read some of the things that, mm -hmm that you've, you've put down. It's educating yourself. I think it really does come down to education about step family dynamics and how they are different. 
And that's for both the stepmom and the partner. You have to, it's not, you're not going to function like a first family. And if you're in a period of time right now where it feels like you're functioning like a first family, it's amazing. I've been there. It's awesome. But I do think you just need to recognize the differences between a first family and a blended family because those expectations and the pressure you put on yourself to function that way, that's where a lot of the disappointment and the resentment and the sadness can come from. And I've experienced it. Like I, I did really fully believe that we were going to function like a first family on our every other week. And as the kids have gotten older and, you know, as just things have progressed, it, it doesn't really feel like that for me right now. And it's hard, but just knowing that would have probably helped. Yeah. I mean, they get their own lives too, as they get older and want to spend more time with friends and it, it changes. Mm-hmm, for sure. All right. Well, we can wrap this one up. It went a little longer than I thought, but <laughs> anything else you would have done differently? And no, do you want to I say think, a happy anniversary message or anything to me? Yeah, happy anniversary. Well, this is a nice thing I'm going to say too. I, you know, in our case, when we got together and we went out on our our first date, there was an immediate connection. I mean, I hadn't felt like that in a you know with somebody before, and we had this dinner and it went into the late evening just talking and the conversation was great. And what happens is you know, then we want to see each other again and we start dating and, you know, that euphoria, that wonderful feeling when you're falling in love with somebody and, and you're, you're picturing this life together. And it's hard sometimes to flip the card and say, okay, this is all hearts and sparkles, but you know, these are some of the things that realistically we need to talk about and have a hard conversation. And, and it, and it, and it, and I'm, I'm glad everything worked the way it did, but just when you're in that, magical love phase there is a conversation that maybe should be had that my life isn't what you're used to my life's a shit show (laughs) that was really really. nice honey but i you know again i'm trying to say i was so madly in love and falling in love with you that i didn't have a worry in the world and i you know wanted the same thing wanted us to move on like a first family as well you know Mm -hmm. i want to bring you right in and you know once we felt comfortable and yeah you've got to realize it's not going to be the first family you are going to be a stepmom and you're going to have a different relationship with the kids than i do with the kids yeah and so i think that gets forgotten sometimes when you have that falling in love and your face yeah and i think like i said hindsight is 2020 and if you would have said to me, because honestly, guys, I was dating Darren for two weeks, just over two weeks, and I and I I knew I was going to marry him. I said <laughs> it to my mom. We were on a trip, and I was like, I'm going to marry this man. And she's like, I think you are too. And it was just kind of a done deal. Like I loved Darren from the beginning, and it was just I was all in. So I don't think even if you would have told me all those things, I would have done anything. It would have impacted anything, right? If you're all in, you're all in. But if you feel like you're not talking to your partner about the realities of your life because you don't want to scare them away, well, it's going to get real scary when they realize what your life is actually like. (laughs) So it's probably better to have those conversations at the beginning because I think maybe if we would have had some of those conversations at the beginning, maybe the first year or two wouldn't have been as hard because I do think it gets better and better. Like those were our Mm -hmm. hardest years. Yeah, your expectations might have been a little different. And my expectations might've been a little different if we had had that conversation. But again, some of the struggles we've had, families have in general, if it's a first marriage Mm -hmm. and those were all our kids, they have the same struggles that we've had. And I think it's just, there's another element to it that you've been able to really learn well. Thank you. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, I love you. Happy anniversary. I love you too. 
Yeah, that was a really nice message you said there. You were like <laughs> looking me right in the eye. It was like, oh my gosh. All right, well, we're going to wrap this up, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Um, and yeah, chat with you in the next one. Talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, guys, if you like this podcast, please do me a little favor. Take a second and subscribe on iTunes and then screenshot this podcast. Give it a share in social media and tell your friends what you think. And hey, don't forget to tag me so that I can thank you for helping me spread the word. Thanks so much. And I will talk to you next week. 